Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Mark from the Basketball Doctors. Are you allergic to the weight room as a basketball player? Do you feel that you're only going to get better by just practicing your skills and not getting stronger? In today's episode, we go over strength training in basketball. We talk about how important it is for the longevity of your career, decrease the risk for your injuries, and also just improving your overall health. So stay tuned. the Basketball Doctors Podcast. My name is Marco Lopez. I am a doctor of physical therapy and certified strength conditioning coach. My name is Gabe Ignacio. I'm a doctor of physical therapy. Our goal is to empower our listeners with evidence-based information of all things basketball. That includes injuries, recovery, rehab, nutrition, sports performance, and training. We will be interviewing key influencers to help you become a more well-rounded athlete at any skill level. Now we have one question for you. Are Are you you ready ready to vote for life? Let's get it. Hey, what's up everyone? We have Mike here. Hey Mike, do you mind telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so I'm Mike Chapman. I'm director of strength conditioning for men's basketball at Stanford University. Just got here about a year ago from Towson University in Baltimore from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm really enjoying uh, the West Coast and this good weather out here. I mean, you can't complain. The weather here in California is unlike any other. But I mean, SoCal, I'm not going to lie, is a little bit better than NorCal, but <laughs> at least you're getting something, right? That's what I've heard. That's what, I've only been down twice, so I got I to gotta make some more trips. Yeah, you'll make plenty once uh, the whole basketball season goes in, the whole Pac-12, hopefully <laughs> soon, right? Yeah. Um, so talk to us. How? What got you interested in basketball or what sparked your interest in the whole basketball? Because you've been working with some basketball teams recently. Yeah, I mean, I've been – around the game since I was probably in third or fourth grade. I played growing up and I've always, I've always loved the game. I, was, I grew up a big, a big Vince Carter, a big Kobe Bryant fan. That was like my favorite era of basketball, the Jordan area as well. So I just I've always loved, I love loved the game to be honest, you know? No, that's, I mean, I mean, I grew up playing basketball as well and that's the same thing. I mean, you know, you just get in love with the game, watching those guys and then go from there. And yeah. now to kind of, jump on to some of the, the, the big topic that we're going to talk about today is strength. I know as a hooper growing up, I would never go to the weight room. Never. I mean, we're always like, hey, you're putting in some work, and the work that we were putting in is in the basketball court itself. But now as there's more stuff coming out, all this injury prevention, all strength benefits, now we're still getting some people getting into the weight room more and more. Yeah. Can you talk to us about why strength is important for basketball players? You just said it. For the most part, with young guys, they neglect it, you know. And when you talk about the game of basketball, yes, it's very, very, very skill-oriented and you have to be very skilled. But when you look at it, I mean, it's a it's a acceleration-deceleration game where your heart stops, really big accelerations and short, short, um, short distances. And it's three-dimensional. And so you're handling forces all the way around. And the only way to really learn how to handle forces is to be strong, to good joint positions. And the only way to do that is to train. And so, you know, training essentially is going to make these guys more durable. And, you know, there's some other benefits to being strong, too. You know, when you're in high school and you go to college, the bumps get a little bit bigger. And if you're blessed enough to go to the NBA, the bumps get even bigger, no matter what they, when people say how the rules are. Mm-hmm. So if you're not physically prepared, you will get exposed. And if you look at it, you have two guys 
and you have equal skill abilities, the guy who what's and what's going to be separated is usually going to be the physical ability. Yeah. And so if you want if you want to advantage, if you want to really get better, if you really want to grow as a player, grow it confidently. I mean, strength strength is one of the key things. You know, strength and movement. You know, strength and movement. You know. No, that's huge. I love how you said the game's pretty physical. I mean, I tore my ACL playing basketball. I was through a contact entry, jumped, some dude landed on me, hit me, knee snapped. But now even watching just like everyone talks about like, oh, basketball is not a physical sport. If you watch the Jordan documentary, it's pretty physical back in the day. Now basketball, obviously it's getting a little softer, but everyone neglects the physicality involved with basketball, you know, especially with those big guys in the center, the post, even the guards, you know, you see some, backing up i know kobe rest in peace he imposed his strength on some of the guards too just posting him up he started adapting that and then lebron james is too strong for people to carry yeah one would you say should people start working on strength for a lot of the athletes in there you know listening when should they start because i know we mentioned this off air we see i mean you see a lot of college athletes coming in and they can't even squat and i see a lot of high school seniors i tell them like hey do an overhead squat they can't even get into that position. So when should we start working on these like fundamentals of strength with these guys? I mean, I don't think it's ever too early to start. I mean, definitely early middle school, like body, body weight stuff, you know, light eccentric work, just some, just some general training things I think would be really good. Learning how to move and train in different patterns, like a lateral lunge, rotational lunge, revert, like just those little bitty things that are going to build Maybe not maximal strength, but just get your body in the blood of having a stimulus to adapt to is really, really, really important. And the earlier you can get that started in a safe manner, yep. you know, you're going to be fine. I'm not saying load a kid up with a barbell, but nothing's wrong with holding the book for a kid, you know, and, and, doing, and doing a squat. Or maybe maybe it's just pushing a sled. Yep. You know, like, you know, like, think about this, like, growing up, I grew up in the South, so, like, you cut grass pushing a lawnmower. Is that yeah. training? Actually, yeah. it probably is. You know yeah. what I mean? You know, it's, but yeah. No, 100% agree. I mean, I grew up in Los Angeles. I, you know, mowed my own lawn for my yeah. lawns. But I mean, that's a that's a good workout right there. You're pushing off. You're working. It's kind of like a little lunge movement. Pushing off good for the tendon health right there, loading. Yeah. But yeah. I know you mentioned in regards to getting these people predisposed to the movements in the gym before they go into the court. You know how we were talking about lateral lunges and I think I think that's huge. I mean, we did a podcast earlier with Justin Landry about 3D dimensional strengthening, getting these people adapted for that stimulus. What would you say in regard to getting these people adapted to the court movements? What should be like the priority for them in regards to strength? Like what are some of the, you know, key factors you should tell like young kids right now, high schoolers should start doing? If I'm starting anything, I'm going to start with, you know, force absorption, eccentric work, maybe snap downs, landing mechanics, tempo squats, tempo lunges in multiple directions. You know, all those things right there, they're going to start building the ability to build a big, bigger breaks. Bigger breaks is where it is. You know, when you look at our game and you watch what happens, you know, we're in this era where everyone's doing the sexy thing. Yeah, let me do this thing about force application, of all this new strength, this new, new, new power, this. Kids aren't getting hurt accelerating. They're getting hurt and decelerating and stopping. 100% agree. And so when you see that and then you go ahead and you feed that machine more and more and more 
and you don't work in reverse and give it the ability to stop, you're essentially breaking that person down and hurting them and not helping them. 100% agree. I mean, one big thing that you mentioned is like coming from the rehab standpoint, all injuries, not all injuries, but the majority of ACLs, ankle sprains, anything helps in the deceleration, stopping, landing, anything absorbing, changing direction where you have to stop and go. And a lot of people get in tune with the all gas, no brakes, you know, but it's actually the opposite. You want to have brakes. I mean, if you're, I tell athletes, Hey, you have a Ferrari, you're going hundred miles an hour. You want to be able to break if a person comes in front of you, right? So this is why we're working on the braking. And then I tell people, it's like, we, I think you made a great point on working on all those fundamentals. Cause if you just start applying force, 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 your car goes up to 150 miles an hour, but your brakes are accustomed to 80 miles an hour. What's going to happen when you land? What's going to happen when you cut? So, I mean, those are huge points that you mentioned on the force absorption. How do you, kind of start feeding onto that force absorption, building that strength, building that resilience from there. Like I said, so for me, the first thing that come in is I'm going to eval you and I want to see, you know, are your joints tolerant of force? Can they handle load? They can't handle load to go back and work on your movement qualities to make sure that I can put you in a position that I'm not feeding compensation pattern. Mm-hmm. And then from there, we'll start doing things like, you know, Maybe we'll start down with a snap down with hands over your head, pull down to the position, working on good good angles, maybe with a band around the knee to get some activation there. And then for sure, like I'm gonna do my, my major movements. I believe in the four, four fundamental patterns, squat, lunge, hinge, press. And so I need to go do all those things. And then when I think about it, everything we do starts, you know, we'll do a big isometric and eccentric block just to have the the control of the, the motor control of what's going on so that when we go to train, we're ready to train. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you add a movement piece onto that, I always talk about a sphere. So if you take your arms and your legs and move them out really wide, like you create this sphere, right? I want to be as strong in that sphere as I possibly can be every which way I can reach because you play the game lunging and squatting and reaching. And so if I can build strength and resistance have the strongest fear to be able to dominate my space it gives you a great opportunity to be a much better player than someone who's weak in a spot and can be exposed no 100 percent. i love that analogy of the whole sphere and being comfortable in those positions and strong in those positions so you won't yeah. be you know surprised when something happens i kind of want to go back into the eccentric portion yeah for those people that don't really understand what eccentrics are or for the first time it's more the you know controlling lowering phase of any exercise or the lengthening right. phase can you tell us what some of the examples that you do for eccentrics? I know you like the person needs to be able to tolerate that load and that kind of goes hand in hand with eccentrics. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. So I mean, for me in my eccentric loading phase, whether it's a squat or a lunge or whatever, I usually try to start somewhere within, you know, you know, probably early on when I have somebody who's really new, never trained, I'm not doing a six second eccentric. It'll yeah. take them a ton of time to recover from, but I'll do like two seconds down, two seconds up smooth, just kind of keep going you get some mitochondrial density from that as well, um, increase. And so I think those things are really good to kind of get people started into the feeling and get, get them started to like moving into more eccentric training. Now, once we get into the meat of what we do, we'll do, I would say a bastardized version of triphasic. It's just my tweak on it. We'll probably go like maybe four sets of two on like a front squat with a six second eccentric. Okay. And then maybe we'll do like a single leg squat or reverse lunge, maybe same thing, six seconds down, really controlling it. But the one thing that's really important to me in the eccentric phase 
It's positional strength. It's not just did you get up and did you go down, did you go up? How are you getting, how are you hitting that position at the bottom, hitting that position at the top? Because I want the things that are going to give me the best angles to produce the best positions for my guys. And everybody's body is different. So, you know, it's very important that, you know, we coach positions. So if we're going to front squat or whatnot, uh, I want to make sure that tar- I want to get them as upright as possible, as bracing as possible. I want to work toward that perfect position. So it's not just, hey, do eccentrics. It fixes everything. It's, hey, let's give me a, a perfectly a perfect eccentric rep as perfect as possible for what you can do and finding what fits that person. I mean, those are huge points. I mean, like you said, I think the movement has to be the priority before loading anything, before the eccentric and getting those joint angles that you want. And I like that you said that it has to be specific towards that person. Right. You know, like some people have, I think we mentioned this off air, they have long levers, long femurs. Some of you have short torsos. Everything's kind of different. You have to kind of position the way you want them. Let's say ideally, what's your best position for a basketball player in regards to some of the key fundamental movements, like the squat, the hinge, and the lunge? Position, like where I want the body position? Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty simple. So I just want elbows high, torso brace, torso tall, core braced up, feet in between all you know, the armpits and shoulders, depending on how wide and narrow they are. And I want I want good line. So one of my mentors, Coach Hatch, always talked about when you train on ball on ball position. So I want the ankle under the knee under the hip, everything stacked in good alignment, so I don't have as many power leaks. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I what I'll focus on, and that will go for every exercise we do on top of learning how to then also use your feet and to control your feet to create tension through the floor, to start learning how to use your foot to create, you know, some strength as well. Nice. And talking about the foot creating tension, is that you're referring to the whole tripod stance, the big toe, little toe, heel, creating that energy just for the people that don't really know. That's huge because it starts from your foot all the way to your hip. I mean, you can stabilize. And I think that's huge for basketball players in general. They have all these like, big shoes, big socks, never get off their shoes and they can't, I don't know, you've probably seen it all the time. Yeah, yeah. They're pronated like crazy, can't feel yeah. where the big toe, little toe heel is. It's crazy. But kind of going off these positional groups and everything, I kind of want to segue to a topic that we kind of mentioned about this and we mentioned it earlier for player development in regards to these athletes, you know, aren't exposed to the weight room and might get hurt down the line just because they're not getting stronger getting prepared for these movements. Let's say, Mike, for you, ideal case scenario, you have some high school kids. You're like, hey, Mike, we have these these projects. You know, you, you can't really say this in college because college, you know, they'll leave one year, two years out. Yeah. But let's say you have some high school kids, freshmen. They're like, hey, Mike, we have four years to get these guys ready. What goes behind your brain right now in regards to strength planning? If you could take it down, break it down for us. Yeah, so... You know, it all starts with me working backwards. Where am I trying to get them to? Where am I trying to go? And then the other thing is, like, what's appropriate for them? So, you know, like, you know, you buy toys for a kid. Like, it's like the age on the bottom, like the three-year-old, three-year-old toys. Yep. My, my athletes are going to get the training that's appropriate for their training age. Mm. So, you know, a high school freshman coming in, I may spend – this is going to sound different, but for me, I may spend the entire year doing GPP work with them because they're not really ready for maximal strength, nor can they handle it. And to be honest, because they're so untrained, they're going to get phenomenal results from the GPP work. What is GPP for those people that don't know what that is, the audience? uh, General preparedness. 
general physical preparedness. So it's just the groundwork based foundation of getting, getting ready to train. So before you get into higher loads, lower, higher loads and lower intensities, right? You're working on building the base that when you get there, you can handle it, right? So, you know, I'll do GPP work with my guys uh, when they come back. And it's amazing how strong they get from GPP, you know? Now, my guys in year two and year three get a little bit more maximum strength, but it's amazing the results that you can get just from that. And so then, you know, you know, I probably move into some of more of a more traditional program. I do undulated periodization, so I do two weeks up, two weeks up, one week down, pretty much year round. And I, I love how it gives everybody a break, a, a kind of break, super compensate and whatnot. Even though true super compensation takes a little more time than a week, to be honest, with, we're gonna be honest about it. And they would go into GPP to basic strength, which is more like I would say, you know, your eight to sixes, eight to sixes ranges, and we're kind of adding a little bit of weight. Um, and then I started adding, and that also like some movement stuff to why now they're being strong and they have to really have control, control their body and use the strength. Because the one thing you can train all you want, if they can't use the strength, it's pretty much useless. The transfer of training is everything. So yeah. if the kid can squat 400, but he can't, but he get pushed, gets pushed off the block every time, it really doesn't matter. We have to teach them how to use that and create tension and create and use strength, you know. And then in years, and just for me in college, the college arena, when I get to juniors and seniors, I'll probably use more maximal strength stuff, lower reps, higher intensity. With a high school kid, I probably would just live more around 80, 85%, you know, three, three to five reps. Yeah. And then maybe add some tempos, maybe some chains onto that to kind of give them a little bit of a stimulus. But I think early on, just keep it really basic and simple and really gradually progress. Also, you know, depending on what you like to do, there's nothing wrong with straight linear periods actually for a young, for a young uh, high school athlete as well. Yeah, no, no, I love that. How you mentioned just the whole getting them ready before they even get start putting them some loads. Cause I think you don't want to jump into just strength right away yeah. and put them load in there. How about kind of progressing from that high school dilemma? Cause you work with a lot of college athletes. I mean, you spend majority just university level, right? Yeah. What would you say, ideal case scenario, what would you want your athlete to walk into your weight room looking like? Not looking like, but feeling and moving like, you know, coming from yeah. high school. Because a lot of sometimes you get some players, I know I've seen like a viral meme on like one uh, freshman looking at the college weight room and they, they have some guy doing some dips and like some chains and he's just like freaking out. <laughs> but what's <laughs> one thing that you want like uh, as a college freshman walking into that door, I guess high school senior, that transitioning. When you see him, you're like, hey, this is in a good position. If he can come in and he can squat, he can lunge, he can do a, a real push-up, and he can do pull-ups, I'm, I'm like, I'm ecstatic. Because that, I mean, he's going to be ahead of a lot of guys already because a lot of them come in, like, with these, like, they're really good players, right? Yeah. So no one wants to say you're bad at anything. So they get to you, you're like, nah, that's awful. And they're like, huh? I've been doing it this way for years. So, like, thinking back to those couple of things, I'm like, perfect. You gave me a great, a great, great platform to start from. Like, people overlook push-ups for these long guys all the time. Like, they're so long, they still get a ton of value out of a push-up, even if it's weighted. Oh, 100%. Like, oh, you know, like, it's, it's so overlooked. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the foundation, if you can't do a push-up, I would argue you can't even do it. You shouldn't be bench pressing. <laughs> you should be staring at the fundamentals yeah. there. In regards to kind of going based off that, like you said, getting those key movements down, they look good, feel good. 
So what do you kind of progress? Or actually, I'm going to retract that. What's the worst you've seen players come in? Like, I kind of want to touch that before we kind of go into the, yeah. like, what are the um, things that you don't want to see someone coming in? looking? Um, if, I, if I get a kid who comes in and he can't lunge, that, that, that means that we need to start from ground zero. That's locomotion. That's movement. And if you have trouble doing a, a straight line, linear lunge, like we got some issues because something's going on that we need to address. That's really, really, that's, that's to me, that's my marker. Damn, that's huge. I, I like the lunge over the, honestly, the double leg squat because it gives me single leg viewership, meaning like I could see one leg versus the other. And what are some of the things that you look for in regards to the lunge? Because I mean, some people, just so the audience can know like what exactly, it just doesn't mean just getting down in one knee, but it, there's some things that you look for. What are some of the yeah. things classified for? So I'm looking, I'm looking for when they step, when they take that step, right? When their foot hits the ground. So ground reaction force is everything. Cause when a foot hits the ground, things change. Yep. So when a foot hits the ground, can he control it? Right? Does he go on the valgus? Does his big, is his big toe really rigid? Are his yeah. hips really tight? Where's his where's his head position at? Where's his torso at? And what happens now? Even more importantly, how does he come out of that lunge? How does he transform? How does he come out of that lunge? Yeah. What compensations am I seeing in that motion? Because that's going to tell me what's going on. And then also, you know, if they take the step in that lunge and they and they put their foot on the ground and all of, all of a sudden it becomes unstable in the lunge, you can guarantee that when he plays basketball, he takes steps, he goes and plays. There's some instability there too in a very in a more dynamic environment, which makes him puts them at risk for injury. And at the end of the day, one of the most important things that we can do is minimize risk for injury. 100%. And I love how you said minimize risk for injuries because as we both know, we can't really prevent injuries. We can only yeah. minimize the risk of the injury. I think one of the biggest things that I see people tell me like, oh, you'll prevent all injuries. It's, it's impossible. impossible. Basketball is a game of injuries. It's going to happen. You could be, I mean, honestly, when I, Going back to how I tore my ACL, it's like I did glute stuff all the time, all the yeah. time, made my lunge perfect, and then someone just hit me, boom, blew it out. And it's like you'll yeah. never be able to account for that. But like you said, we're, you can minimize the risk for non-contact injuries, for stuff yeah. that you could see in a lunge and everything. So going based on those high school kids, we'll switch it up now for the good news. Have you ever seen a kid come into your program like, damn, man, this kid looks mo- uh, looks good and what went through, what, how was his program? And you asked him like, hey man, what, how'd you find this out? Or like, how are you moving yeah. as well? I had a kid at Towson, I'm gonna say, Ja'Kai Dotton. The kid came in, could absolutely just like move. It was just like physically strong. I mean, you know, like he did stuff. I mean, I think when I, my last, yeah, my last year at Towson, we tested the kids squatted 505. Jesus. And he's a tank. I mean, absolute tank. Can move, can accelerate, can decelerate. And I was like, all right, he has it. You know, he has the ability to to move and manipulate and and, and control his body. And he played football. Oh, <laughs> so so he wasn't afraid of the weight room, which yeah. I think is a big part of these guys that are afraid of the weight room because coaches are afraid to train them. Yep. And so I think a lot of the fear from basketball comes from basketball coaches being afraid to train their guys and really train their guys. But the people who really take time and train, they set the kids up for great success, great success, for sure. I think going off that afraid to train, 
I think one of the common things we see, I mean, when we work with some of the athletes and the coaches give them some response, they're like, we just don't want them to get too stiff or too slow if they go into the rate. What's your response for that? I know you probably heard um, this many times too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a huge movement guy. I mean, we, we will do a ton of movement. We superset our squats with like viper movements. So we get in three-dimensional movement patterns or lunges and reaches. I do think there's somewhat a continuum where people get caught up. So I always say in my mind, a lot of people who, you know, maybe aren't as knowledgeable, don't take the time in it. You got to be out there graph, right? And strength goes this way. And then you'll say they'll get more, they'll get stiffness goes or less flexibility goes that way. So everything's getting more, getting tighter, right? As opposed to saying, hey, if strength goes up and mobility increases now, yeah then it's better. Or if I said again, at, a lot of times what you see is strength will go up and movement will come down. Yep. But what you want to see is you want to see strength go up and movement increase as well. And now what you've done, if you think about this, every sport in the world, I watched I watch every pick in the NFL combine. They, they say the same thing. He's really strong and move his hips. He's really strong and move his hips. They said it for every position like it was something different, right? So if you can be strong and increase movement, you have the ability to have a bigger sphere, which we talked about at the beginning, which makes you a better athlete. Yeah, that's huge. I love that. Um, in regards to just, yeah, it's great points that you made. I think the whole understanding that if you're still maintaining mobility with strength, you'll still be able to maintain that perfect athlete sphere. It's not, you don't have to sacrifice one or the other. To kind of go off of what we mentioned that is I kind of want to add in something kind of cool to wrap up the, because we made a lot of great points. What's your favorite basketball memory? That's a tough, I've been doing it for a long time, so I have so many. I think in 2017, we played in a classic in Ireland. One of our guys, like a game winning shot with like 0.4 seconds left to win. It was like, our, it was like our first championship, this first school was like, championship or whatever in I don't know how many years like since 1960 something so that was pretty cool just to be a part of that and see like after the game like all the people in Ireland were like treating the guys like celebs like dapping them up and getting their autograph you know when you're at a school a smaller school they don't get that attention all the time but to see them really embrace it have cameras on the bus it was just a really really unique cool environment it felt way bigger than it actually was at the time but it was a really cool experience that, that's awesome, man. Especially, I think that's the, the glory of being able to go to different countries and everything and get be able to, that's, yeah. that's awesome. So Mike, that was a great chat about strength. What, where can people find you, contact you, learn more about some of the stuff that you put out there? I loved your IG content and stuff like that. Yeah, so on, on IG, I'm mchat24. On Twitter, I'm mchat24. <laughs> if you want to uh, shoot me an email, it's m. C-H-A-T-M-A-N at stanford.edu. I try to get back to everyone as quick as possible. So, you know, feel free to hit me up anytime. I have no secrets. I'm an open book. Always willing to share. Perfect. And just to end it with, I, I mean, you already gave a lot of information. What's one last piece of advice for anyone, every basketball player out there or basketball strength conditioning coach or anyone working with basketball players in regards to strength? I think you have to show them why it's important. And I think we should stop. We should stop making it to, to, in their mind, something that's controversial. It's not. This is something that they need to be successful, and to keep them healthy. And if we as coaches 
can really get players to buy into it and convince them why it's important. It's going to make our job easier and it's going to make their careers a lot better. So it benefits everybody all the way around. I love that, man. It goes back to that famous author, Simon something. It starts with why. It starts with why. I think the biggest thing also on our side, it's like, you got to give them the why. Somehow break it down. So you have to be specific. You get the why, get the buy-in, and then go from there. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Hey, Mike, thanks for coming on, man. A lot of people learn, are going to learn a lot about strength in this one. And then, I mean, the biggest take-home that I got is just get back to movement and strength. I mean, don't be afraid of the weight room. And then yeah. the, there's a bunch of resources to guide you. And then Mike's here to answer any questions or anything if you shoot him out his way. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook with the handle at Basketball Docs. Our website is www.thebasketballdoctors.com or you can email us at thebasketballdoctors at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening and following us. We hope you learned something valuable from our discussion today and use this knowledge to get a leg up over the competition. We would love to continue bringing you information regarding all things basketball. So please rate us, subscribe, comment, and tell your friends. Let's ball for life.